Welcome to Christians in the Public Square Speaker's Corner. We've added a new feature in Season 2 called Speaker's Corner. Cole and I will be doing these from time to time, and we will solicit essays from others as well. We would even entertain occasional essays from listeners, so if you would like to pitch an idea for an audio essay, feel free to reach out and we'll be happy to discuss your idea and the format. The film The Mission tells the story of priests working in South America in the late 18th century. As the story unfolds, the Church's prevaricated stance on the virtue of human life is exposed in the political struggles between Spain, Portugal, the Church, and the institution of slavery. In the end, the ones who suffer are the ones who took the demands of the Church seriously. And in the end, the mission is destroyed. The people are murdered, and the slavers find new stock. In a moment of the purest form of cynicism, a bishop effectively shrugs his shoulders and says, We must work in the world. The world is thus. The cardinal, who indeed has been the chief prevaricator, corrects the bishop. No, thus have we made the world. Thus have I made it. Some listeners have noted my sometimes harsh criticism of human nature and asked whether I believe in total depravity. I get where the question comes from. I have articulated in conversations with Cole or with guests my belief that too many systemic approaches, whether in politics or in economics or in church theology, place too high a belief in human nature. I often worry that a blind belief in free markets or socialism or democracy or a systematic definition of Christian citizenship is a recipe for immense harm and suffering. I think I need only point to every single historic example of fundamentalism to prove my point. But I'm not a Calvinist. I don't think that the world is thus. I am, at my core, a confessionalist. I think we need to take responsibility. I think I need to take responsibility. Our futures are not failures of human nature, but they are our failures, my failures. And I often find myself in a confessional place where I cry out, thus have we made the world, thus have I made it. We all wrestle with the desire to please ourselves, to satisfy our own insecurities, to right the wrongs done to us, and in so doing, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are all, by our messed up choices, contributing to the ways in which the world is made. And if that sounds judgy, it is. That's one of my sins, and it's a big one. Of all the warnings Jesus uttered to his disciples, the one that is most often repeated is to avoid judging. Even if I include myself as part of an indictment against humanity, it seems to me the wrong take on his command, do not judge, lest you yourselves be judged. And so there are frequent moments where I am forced to notice the difference between confession and judgment. And this is one of those moments. As I record this on May 8, 2020, Some states are starting to release regulations on the pandemic response that nearly halted our economy in April. Some listeners have likely heard that during this period, we sold our house. I had a lot of work to do in order to get the house ready to sell. 
which usually involved three and four daily trips to the Lowe's Home Improvement Center. These daily trips to Lowe's through the pandemic lockdown proved an interesting longitudinal case for observing the rapid escalation of distancing measures. One day, many of the NCAP displays were taken down. The next day, screens were erected at the registers. Then floor markings for distancing in the checkout line. But at one point, the store instituted a limit on the number of people who could be in the store at one time. And a line was formed outside, with markers for social distancing, where we would wait to enter. There were these little moments in April where things would feel especially bizarre. I noticed one day that there were no Vienna sausages on the grocery shelf. I wouldn't eat a Vienna sausage if I were one calorie away from starving to death. But I felt unsettled at the idea that they were all gone. When I saw yellow warning tape covering playground equipment at the park, I had a pang of sadness and worry. And on this particular day, standing in line to enter the store that had become increasingly reactive to the virus, I was feeling unsettled. Of course, being the liberal snowflake that I am, I had on my mask and gloves. Most of the other West Texas bubbas and bubettes in line around me were not. But as we waited, and as I tried to reconcile some of my own unsettled feelings, the man in line behind me forced his way into my headspace. Well, if you have to stand in line to get into a store, April in West Texas is the right time to do it, he said. Heck, If I wasn't standing in line here, I'd probably go stand in the backyard. It's beautiful out here. What a pleasant evening. I turned to make eye contact with the stranger and said, that's a fine way to look at things. The line outside the store was arranged in front of a series of John Deere riding mowers, and my new friend started talking about the mowers. Look at this. This one looks just like the other one. Has the same size motor. But it's an 8700 model, and so it's $100 more than the 7700 model. Do you think there's a $100 difference between these? We talked about mowers, masks, and muskrats. And by the time it was my turn to go into the store, I didn't want to leave the line. This man had decided to make the world a lovely place. Thus had he made it. It was in this and some other related moments that I began to realize the ways I had been acting judgy with my neighbors. It was also one of the moments that has forced me to examine more deeply my perspective on confession. The scene in Luke 21 is a precious one. A widow quietly enters the temple. According to Luke, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. It's not clear to what degree this was heralded by the givers or the treasurer, but Jesus elsewhere had warned his disciples, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. It wouldn't be a stretch to imagine that there was some form of hypocrisy in the scene in Luke 21, and in 96.6% of this podcast— What you would hear from me is some measured version of my frituperate anger at the church's hypocrisy. But that's not what Luke records. Instead, Jesus notices the woman quietly putting all she has into the treasury. Not only does he notice, but then he calls his disciples to show them this beauty. I have come to believe 
that he sees the widow because he was looking for her. He was watching. In the queue outside of the Lowe's home improvement store, I was not watching. In fact, I was missing so very much. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was that guy in my head who assesses social distancing behaviors and the politics of mask wearing. Or maybe it really is that I have a strong sense of social justice informed by my voracious appetite for Old Testament prophets. But I didn't notice the good around me. Unlike the way in which Jesus was looking for the quiet widow, I needed a six-foot-four loudmouthed redneck to push his way into my six-foot radius. This catharsis didn't happen out of the blue. For the past year, I've been daily working on what it means to understand agape for the world rather than for individuals. This is not the place to fully unpack what I mean, but I have been working to find ways to understand God's love for humanity. Why does He love us? Beyond the metaphor of being His children or His bride, what does He see in us? I think he sees the widow offering all she has to the poor. I think he sees one leper in ten who returns to give thanks. I think he sees a father willing to put all of the promise and hope he ever believed of God onto an altar. I think he sees people standing in line outside of the Lowe's home improvement centers who bring laughter to their neighbors. I think he sees the teacher who works late hours or the mother who tolerates her four-year-old's already too-long story for just a few minutes more. I want to notice more and confess less. I don't want to paper over sin or let humanity off the hook. I don't want to just pretend that black men can't go jogging in their neighborhoods for fear of being shot, or that people are being abused by religious leaders, or that our economy prioritizes capital gains over human lives. I'm not interested in any form of Pollyanna that hides from harsh realities that surround us. I will always identify spiritually with the work of the confessing church and demand repentance of myself and of my church community. But I want to be more like my master, who notices widows giving mites. I want to celebrate what is good, rather than merely accounting what is bad. I want to revel in moments of generosity without discounting them because of moments of greed. I want to notice acts of compassion without ignoring acts of violence. At the beginning and end of every semester, I used to read a paragraph from Melville to my students. It's a passage where Ishmael describes his everlasting desire for things remote. And he says, Not ignoring what is good, I am quick to perceive a horror, and could still be social with it, would they let me, since it is but well to be on friendly terms with all the inmates of the place one lodges in. I think it's possible that I, from time to time, do ignore what is good. I've loved every version of Louis Armstrong's song, It's a Wonderful World, but recently I heard a new version sung by Mark Knopfler, and for some reason, perhaps because I've been trying to notice new things, this line took on new meaning. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. And there are a lot of people saying, I love you, in moments that must melt God's heart. I intend to have my heart melted by watching more. I intend to call my friends together to honor the widow's offering. 
I intend to see people acting in the image of their creator as often as they do. My wife, Beverly, was wearing her mask during one of her visits to the Dollar General. As she walked through the store, she would smile at strangers, only to realize that they couldn't see her smiling. So at one point, Beverly told a stranger, I smiled at you, but you can't see me because of my mask. The lady pointed back at her and said, Yeah, but I saw your cheeks move. Thus can we make the world. Thus could I make it. Thank you.